This is an AMI podcast. Hi, I'm Fern Lullum, and welcome to Into You, the podcast where we put love under the microscope, shedding light on the do's, don'ts, and nightmare scenarios we find ourselves in while flirting with romance. Cheating for one person could be sending an Instagram DM or flirting with somebody at a bar. For somebody else, it might be that they've got a friend at work that they have conversations with or spend time with and their partner isn't privy to that information. We all come at dating from a slightly different angle, but we are often faced with very similar situations to shape up to. In that emotional state, I can see where the shouty conversation comes out rather than the curious conversation. Wow, like, we are really, really vibing here and this is unexpected. Dating can uncover things about ourselves we never knew before. So, without further ado, let's get into you. I'm quite happy just to crack on and go for it. Okay, so are you ready to go? Yes, let's do it. everyone and welcome back to the party of a podcast where we examine dating dynamics and relationship rationale it could only be into you now you might remember that last month we heard from influencer robbie jan about her personal experience of being cheated on by her husband well i decided to delve a little deeper into the topic of cheating and talk to dating and relationship coach claire grigson for her professional insight on betrayal Later, Claire talks about the kinds of people who might be more likely to cheat. If you have an insecure attachment style, I would imagine that you're more prone to cheating because it's more difficult and more scary for you to have the honest conversations that we need to have in a relationship. And shares her personal experience of being cheated on. A year after we got married, I found out that my ex-husband had cheated on me on a night out. It's sort of a one-time thing and he actually came home from the night out and told me. But first, I realised how easy it can be to throw around such a loaded term as cheating without being really sure what that constitutes. So getting to the bottom of that was my top priority. I've been thinking a lot about cheating and betrayal and obviously, especially in our modern day world when we have so many ways to communicate... How do you define cheating? Because there feels like there's so many different definitions these days. Absolutely. So for me, cheating is when you cross a boundary that has been predefined in the relationship. So if you have had a conversation with your partner about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable, and you make a decision to do something that you know is going to hurt your partner or they're going to find unacceptable, that to me is cheating. And that is going to look different for different people. So for some people, cheating is a physical thing. For others, it can be emotional. So if you're having conversations with somebody and your partner doesn't know about that, or it could be when you're out, if you're flirting with someone, some people would consider that cheating and other people wouldn't. So I think it's something that there needs to be a conversation in the dynamic, in the relationship, in terms of what do we both feel comfortable and uncomfortable with? And do we agree to act within those boundaries that we decide for ourselves within the relationship? I mean, how do you think that you could go about kind of having that conversation? Because I I feel like there's lots of conversations that we feel we should have with our partners, but quite often it's quite hard to know how to get into them. 
I think it's something where you want it to, first of all, to be a conversation. So a two way thing. So the last thing we want to do is sit our partner down and go, okay, here's a list of (laughs) all the things that you are not allowed to do, or I don't want you to do within this relationship. And I think it's coming from a place of like curiosity rather than criticism. So maybe asking something along the lines of like, I'm really curious, what's your views on what is acceptable and unacceptable sort of behavior within a relationship and can we have a conversation around that so we can make sure that we're on the same page because it's so easy to make assumptions about the other person and what they would think is okay and not okay so I think just coming from that place of curiosity and not from a place of let me sit you down and give you the list of 20 things (laughs) that you're not allowed to do because that is inevitably going to end up with the other person feeling quite defensive and feeling quite attacked so I think bearing in mind it's a a sort of two-way conversation and yeah just approaching it with curiosity. Very diplomatically put I like your style (laughs) so (laughs) let's go right in for the million dollar question then so what are are some of the reasons that people might cheat? There can be so many reasons why people might cheat. Cheating can be a symptom of there being something wrong in the relationship. And when I say wrong, I don't mean there's something wrong with the other person, the other person that's been cheated on, but something that is lacking within the relationship. And that might be communication. It might be that there's been a breakdown in communication between the two of you. There's a loss of sort of emotional intimacy. Sometimes it can be a lack of physical intimacy. But I think for me, when somebody says, you know, I've been cheated on or I've cheated within the relationship and I've been cheated on myself as well. I think for me, the curiosity is, okay. how is the relationship dynamic at the moment? Can this be classed as a healthy relationship or an unhealthy relationship? Because I think if I'm being really honest, my feelings would be if you are in a relationship that is a healthy relationship, I wouldn't expect that there would be infidelity there. But again, it's very nuanced. Mm. I think it's really difficult because everybody's individual. Everybody's had their own experiences. Everybody's had different childhoods and experienced different things, have different attachment styles, programs, conditionings. So I don't think it's straightforward as saying like this is the reason why people cheat, but Again, I think it's coming to it from a place of curiosity because usually there is an underlying reason, but the individual that has cheated may not know that reason consciously themselves at the time. I love the way that you speak about that in such a calm way, because I know that when cheating is on the table, and especially, you know, if it's you in that situation, our first reaction, and, you know, it's a very natural thing to just go into anxiety and panic and worry and stress and just to be able to kind of take a step back and zoom out a little bit and see it in that more balanced way seems like a really helpful thing to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important to say as well, when you are in that situation, so you've been cheated on or or you're the one that's cheated within the relationship, it can be difficult in that moment to take the step back. It's much easier when you've got an outside perspective to be able to do that. So that's where it can be useful to work with somebody, whether that's a therapist or a coach, to enable you to take that step back. And as you said, kind of zoom out and look at the bigger picture because when we're in that anxiety in that fight or flight we're very hyper focused on that one thing and it can be quite difficult for us to actually have a look at what's going on in the broader sense of the relationship 
And you mentioned a lot of different factors that lead people to cheat. Are there certain personality types who are more susceptible to cheating than others or, you know, different attachment styles that may lead you to cheating on your partner? Yeah, that's a a really interesting question. And I'll be honest, Fern, I don't have like data for that (laughs) at the front of my mind right now. But my view on this if you have a insecure attachment style as opposed to secure attachment style, I would imagine that you're more prone to cheating because it's more difficult and more scary for you to have the honest conversations that we need to have in a relationship when something doesn't feel right or we want to make a change or there's a need that's not been met. And when I say insecure attachment styles, I'm referring to people have more of a anxious or an avoidant attachment style. If we were to take a further step back from that, I would imagine it would be more likely people with an avoidant attachment style. But again, this is my opinion. This is my view. This is not coming from hard, fast evidence. I don't have that data at the front of my mind right now. But yeah, absolutely. And also those who have narcissistic tendencies as well, who tend to think really just of themselves and their own needs right in that moment, rather than being able to empathise with their partner and the potential effects that the cheating could have. Does cheating necessarily mean that somebody's unhappy in their relationship? I know you mentioned it might not be a healthy relationship, but I suppose the first thing, and especially maybe for somebody who's been cheated on, is to think, oh, maybe they weren't happy. Is that always the case? My personal feeling would be if somebody cheats and their partner would define that as cheating and they've had a conversation in the relationship around what's okay and what's not okay, that... My feeling is people who are happy in their relationships wouldn't tend to cheat. But again, it's so nuanced because cheating for one person could be sending an Instagram DM or flirting with somebody at a bar. For another person, it's going to be actual physical cheating. So kissing or sex. And for somebody else, it might be that they've got a friend at work that they have conversations with or spend time with and their partner isn't privy to that information. So again, it's nuanced. I think it really depends on the circumstances upon what's going on in the relationship dynamic, the conversations that have been had. And I think each partner's awareness of what their partner would find okay and not okay within the relationship. Yeah, I suppose what I was thinking about with that is the fact that perhaps you could have a happy relationship, but then someone could meet somebody else that they also like. I mean, I don't know, there's just a feeling for me that perhaps you could sort of be happy in a relationship and still be tempted away. Yeah, and absolutely, because I think when it comes down to it, there are multiple people on this planet that we can connect with and have a a bond with or an instant attraction with. So, of course, it's entirely possible that you're in a relationship and you're happy and you have a chance encounter with somebody and you meet them and you're like, wow, like we are really, really vibing here and this is unexpected and perhaps that leads you to take actions that you wouldn't normally take so yeah I think that that is very true it doesn't necessarily have to be that your relationship is in dire straits it can be within the realms of a happy relationship but I think the difference is someone making that conscious choice to cross that boundary knowing what the repercussions could be so for example you could be in a happy healthy relationship and you're out on a night out and you bump into somebody and you chat to them at the bar but you know that you're never going to take that any further you're never going to exchange numbers you're not going to go home with them because that is crossing a boundary and I think that's where there's a little bit of a difference between you know the people who 
would allow themselves to be in that person's company, but know that it's not going to go any further. And then those who make the conscious choice of, I'm going to cross a boundary. Mm, so taking that responsibility really for your actions. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Claire had highlighted a very poignant point. When it comes to cheating, responsibility and accountability must be key. It struck me how easy it could be to yo-yo between denying playing any part in infidelity and claiming responsibility for the entire situation and the actions of everyone involved. I felt the need to find out more, so I decided to go on a fact-finding mission and learn what some of the statistics say about cheating and betrayal in love. So, in a survey conducted by YouGov, 34% of men and 24% of women admitted to having cheated on their current partner at some point in the past, and let's face it, they're just the ones who admitted to it. According to a survey by Statista, 42% of people in the United States believe an emotional affair is just as harmful as a physical affair. You know, I can't help but feel that in some cases it could actually be worse. A survey conducted by the American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy found that 15% of wives and 25% of husbands have had sex outside their marriage. And finally, a survey by Ashley Madison, a dating website for people seeking affairs, found that 71% of their users are men, while 29% are women. Well... All I can say is, thank goodness my other half says I'm quite enough maintenance all by myself. That's the best way to be, surely. Claire spoke about such a notoriously anxiety-inducing topic as cheating in such a calm and measured way. It made me think about how having the courage to approach your partner with the aim to engage in a difficult conversation and then being able to carry out that conversation with compassion and curiosity is a skill set we have to work hard to build up and practice often. Communication out of context can sound so straightforward, but of course, everything can change in the burning heat of a moment. So, speaking of heated moments, I decided to continue by asking Claire what we should look out for to know whether our person might be playing away. What are some of the telltale signs that your partner might be cheating and what should you do if you suspect something might be going on? So I think in terms of telltale signs, I mean, part of it can be just, do you feel like there's been a shift? Is their behavior different? Are they perhaps not communicating with you the way that they would do normally? Has there been any change in terms of like frequency of physical intimacy? And of course, that's different for every single relationship. But I think if there's anything that feels out with the norm, and I think it's really important to not jump to conclusions because there can be different reasons why your partner might not be as communicative as normal or is perhaps holding back from physical affection and physical intimacy. And again, I think it is important to approach that with curiosity and through a lens of being honest about the facts. I've noticed that you don't seem as keen to chat to me um, after work, or I've noticed that we've not been as affectionate or as physical as we would be normally. I just wanted to check in and, and see if there's anything going on for you right now. And when we can approach things through a lens of curiosity and compassion, we're much more likely to get that 
reciprocal conversation rather than saying, oh, my goodness, you come home from work and you never want to talk to me anymore and we never have sex anymore. And this is absolutely awful. And and when we do this, we'll know our, our partner will shut down and get defensive because who wants to have a conversation with someone when they're being sort of shouted at or they feel attacked? So I think it's just changes and it's interesting because I know for myself through my own personal experiences you know quite a few years ago I noticed some shifts and changes and sometimes it's scary to bring that up Mm -hmm. because we're scared of what the answer is going to be. Yeah yeah that must be scary and in that emotional state I can see where the shouty conversation comes out rather than the curious conversation. Absolutely. And I think it's really important that we don't judge ourselves for that, right? Because we're human and sometimes we're going to react, sometimes we're going to shout, sometimes we're going to get upset. But I think it's about recognising that when we do that, it is much more difficult to have a constructive conversation and going, okay, what do I need to do in this moment to just ground myself, to just calm myself down and then be able to come back to this conversation from a place of feeling more grounded and feeling curious rather than from a place of feeling really, really activated. Mm. Oh, even just listening to you, my whole system's just calming down. <laughs> just, just listening. <laughs> oh, if only I could have that amount of diplomacy. And yes, I love it. It's good. So what is your view on looking through your partner's phone because obviously in 2023 we have like I said earlier so many different ways of communicating and technology and a record I guess of things that might give us some clues and obviously there's a lot of controversy over should you do that shouldn't you do that what's your view on that? Oh this is such an interesting question and again I don't want to say that there's a right or wrong thing to do. I think if we're looking through our partner's phone and they're not aware that we're doing that we need to be very aware that that's a breach of trust and looking through their sort of personal space I have had coaching clients in the past who have come to me and said you know I I was with an ex-partner I just had a feeling that something was wrong and I looked through their phone or I looked on the iPad and there was evidence there and it confirmed to me and I was able to make that decision Mm -hmm. so I wouldn't want to say what is right and what is wrong for me personally If I am in a relationship and I feel that I am needing to look through a partner's phone, that is a bit of a red flag for me. Why is it that I don't feel able to sit my partner down and have a conversation? Why don't I feel safe within this relationship? Are there needs that aren't being met? Is there a conversation that can be had first? I will also openly admit that when I was in my marriage, I looked through my ex-husband's phone when I suspected there was something there and I did find something that meant that I made a decision that ended in our relationship ending. So I certainly wouldn't want to be judging anybody for choosing to do that. But I think now with the awareness that I have, if that was happening, I'd be thinking about, okay, there needs to be a conversation had here first. I need to see if I can get my partner to open up. I need to identify what is it about this relationship it means that I don't feel safe. It's interesting that you say about safety, emotional safety, because it really feels like that comes from a place of desperation of just really wanting to know answers. And maybe you have talked to your partner, but you know, they're not being very forthcoming, or it doesn't feel like they're telling the truth. And you just feel like there's no other option, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes that can be the case. If you've got a partner who isn't open to having those conversations, or you're like, you know, I know that there's something not right. 
but I need that firm evidence in front of me before I can make a decision moving forwards. And again, I don't want to say what's right or wrong, but I think we need to be aware of the repercussions of that. So if we look through our partner's phone and we don't find anything, where does that leave us? So we look through our partner's phone and they find out that we've been looking through their phone without their permission. Where does that leave us? And I think it's always just bringing awareness. Like, am I aware of the consequences this may have and am I happy to accept those and to take accountability for my own actions it's interesting because you can go so quickly from being kind of on the moral high ground to the tables have turned instantly and you're the one in the wrong yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and as I say like life is so nuanced there's so many different circumstances and situations but I do believe in kind of trusting your gut and if you feel something is off then it's time to take action and the preferable way would be to have a conversation first but I do understand that some people are in a situation where it's difficult for them to do that or their partner isn't open to doing that. What was the experience like for you when you were in that position how did that feel going through that? It was really, really difficult. So to give a little bit of a background, so I think it's important that people have this when they're listening. I was in a 14-year relationship. I was married for five of those years. And a year after we got married, I found out that my ex-husband had cheated on me on a night out. It's sort of a one-time thing. And he actually came home from the night out and told me well he came home very late and I was very suspicious I was like this is weird this behavior is out of character and after some questioning he admitted that yes I I went home with somebody else and I moved out for a while and then I came back and we decided to go to marriage counseling and it then came out that there had been some other infidelities earlier on in the relationship that I had had no idea about so many many years before that that led me to be in a place where I think quite naturally I felt found it very difficult to trust him because I felt like there's been these things that have gone on. I had no idea for years, can I trust my own judgment? Because I had trusted him up until that point. I had never imagined that he would cheat on me. I just didn't think that that was in his character to do that. And it kind of led me to a place where I was constantly waiting for the shoe to drop off the other foot. I felt anxious a lot of the time. I was worried when he went on nights out and I'd never been like that before. I'd always been very laid back and very, very relaxed. And I think the thing for me that I found most difficult is he was never able to articulate why he had made that decision on that night out to cheat on me. He didn't seem to be able to understand why he had done that in the first place and that led me to feeling very very unsafe because I thought well if he can't even explain why he's taken the action that he's taken how can I be reassured that this isn't going to happen again and in terms of the checking his phone that came right at the very end of the relationship where we'd been to marriage counselling several times and while it had been helpful I found it very difficult to move past what had happened and Again, he'd had a night out, he came home, he was acting differently from normal and I decided to check his phone and he'd had a friend at work, a female friend that he hadn't told me about. Her number was saved in the phone, but there was no messages. I just found it a bit strange and we had a conversation about it and he said, oh yeah, we have been messaging and I've been deleting the messages because I didn't want to upset you and we have been going out for lunch and I never told you about her because... I thought you would be angry or upset. And for me, that was enough for me to decide that I wanted him to move out. 
and to leave at that point because there was still deception going on within the relationship and what I'd really wanted was honesty and transparency so it is very difficult to have to go through that it makes you second guess yourself it makes you second guess gut feelings but I do believe that I've come out of that stronger and it was many years ago it was 10 years ago that I went through the sort of period of infidelity but yeah it is hard when you start to feel like you're turning into somebody that you don't recognize Mm. I mean when you're talking about that two things strike me one is how painful it must be that moment where you see it and it's confirmed for you and I guess the flip side of that is is there kind of some relief because then at least you know for sure and it can't kind of be denied in a way Definitely. And I think the pain comes first because being betrayed is extremely, extremely painful. But I also think there is that relief. And for me, the relief actually came after the relationship had ended. And I realized I don't need to spend every day worrying or feeling anxious or wondering, is this going to happen again? I think what was most difficult for me throughout that experience was one of my top values is honesty. I haven't cheated within a relationship and it's not something I would choose to do. And for my ex-husband to do that to me, it just, it really went against one of my core values. And that's what I found the most difficult was that I was choosing to stay in a relationship where my partner had chosen to go against one of my core values and something that we had spoken about and agreed was not acceptable within the relationship. So for me, it was a relief that I no longer have to look at myself and go, oh my goodness, you're choosing to stay in a relationship where somebody has chosen to take that action. Claire had hit upon such an important point here. I think particularly when it comes to cheating, we can very easily get caught up in the relationship between everyone else and completely neglect the one we have with ourselves. Building up that self-respect and resilience seemed like it might be such an important first step towards recovery. Next time, Claire talks about why we might be drawn to those who will cheat on us. On a subconscious level, we are attracted to people who give us the same emotional experience that we experienced in our childhoods. And discusses how we can break those unhelpful patterns. The choices that I made 10 years ago are very different from the choices that I would make now due to my level of awareness. As always, I want to hear from you. How do you define cheating? And is it something you feel you could ever forgive in a relationship? Leave me a comment and let me know. For now, though, you've been listening to Into You with me, Fern Lullum. Special thanks to my wonderful guest, Claire Grigson, whose links will be in the show notes. Also to Josh Holland for technical support and to the manager of AMI, Andy Frank. Leave me your feedback at feedback at ami.ca. And if you liked what you heard, make sure to search for Into You on your favourite or indeed any podcast distributing platform and subscribe for more episodes coming your way on the first Thursday of every month. I mean, don't cheat yourself out of such a treat. 